0: And now listening to the awakened soul welcome to the awakened soul we're back yet again um we got an exciting show planned for you guys today we got um andrew Bello returning for the third week in a row but this time we're going to be talking some defenders solely fun um we also do have a stay woke segment that is me by myself this week I, i'll wait till you guys hear that to discuss uh to, to see what's discussed in that in that segment we also have um Jodo Cooper's back. We're going to be talking the top 5 black comedians of all time. That that's going to be a fun one and you guys may actually be surprised by what his opinion is on it. Before we get too far into this show and i and i start going off the handle i definitely wanted to thank everyone who submitted itunes reviews we're still getting itunes reviews coming in the podcast is still growing we still got people sharing the podcast and that could not be possible with all of the supporters and listeners to the Awakened soul podcast so i definitely want to thank you guys for all of that continue to engage we still are getting Questions and topics sent in, and I really appreciate that. Um, so, enough talking about what the show is going to be. Let's go ahead and get into it. This is episode four of The Waking Soul. Let's go.
1: The awakened,
0: the awakened soul. The awakened soul. Two pieces of news that came out today that I that I well not today they came out over the week that I definitely want to talk about and I I have a lot to say about. We got a new Wu Tang album being announced with the new single. People say. I I I love Wu Tang Clan. Like I was young during their heyday, but I've gone back and listened to a lot of it. Being older, but Method Man, seriously, since I was probably around ten, eleven, has been one of my favorite uh, MCs ever. I, lo- I just love the way he flows and put his puts his music together. Him and Red Man, I, I really don't need to say much about about that. Well, even though Red Man is not a member of the Wu Tang Clan, but you no, know, Meth and Red together, with they've just been all over. Just in my, my time, whether it's music, movies, uh, TV shows, like those guys are, are entertaining as hell together and also separately. Quan, one of the most underappreciated lyricists ever to, to rap. He, the, the guy has put, a, put together a body of work that, you know, even the stuff that he's put out more recently, I would say is right up there with almost anything that he's done. It's just that the rap game has moved so far from that type of music that I think he doesn't get the notoriety that he deserves for the music. He's still putting out you know, the consistency that he's having um, in, in his career at this length is really unprecedented. It's not that many people who've been able to stay consistent and putting out quality music. It's, it's not the quality of his music that swings down. It's just that what people want to listen to has changed, but Wu Tang coming out with another album, I'm looking definitely, definitely forward to that. You always love to see old artists and that, that have had so much success come back and still tra- stay true to their music. That people say record is just, it's it's not a lyrical masterpiece by any means. But when you listen to it and the feel of it, it's so uniquely Wu-Tang. And even though they're mixing it up a little bit with this album, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing How this album feels as related to their more gritty uh, work, because I I don't think you're going to get that grittiness, but I think you're going to get that quality of music from them. The next piece of news its not as positive. It doesn't have me feeling as good. And, you know, I don't really like to come and start this podcast off with anything too heavy, but I had to mention it. So we got George Foreman uh, speaking on Colin Kaepernick and Kevin Durant. You know, and speaking out, saying that what they what they're doing is is unpatriotic and that they haven't been brought up with people who are patriotic. Um, And he mentioned that a lot of people died so they can have their privilege. And let's stop that right there. We're going to put a pin in that and just talk about that and unpack that for right now. Part of yes, a lot of people have died. So we all can have privileges. Part of that privilege is also. The right of open speech. The the, the the right to protest and I don't see anything wrong with protesting however you feel and you you hear people say that what they're doing is destrication to the to the American flag and it's not like it' would be different if, if people were lighting American flags on on fire stepping on them throwing them on the ground that stuff that would disgust me no matter who to do it but to sit down on the national anthem is, to me, it's it's not as bad. It's not to the level of burning the American flag on fire. And so people who try to unpack it that way and try to say that that's what it's tantamount to are, in my opinion, idiots, because it's not. Now, whether you believe that it's right or wrong to sit down during a national anthem, that's one thing. We can have that discussion. There, there's, there's, there, there is something to be said about that. But to, to compare it to... Doing that to the American flag is something that, you know, I think is just it's 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 stupid to do it and compare it to that level. But again, this is my podcast. This is just my opinion. Um, Foreman also went to on to say that in his day. That they were patriotic. And so here's my thoughts on this, and this may offend some people, too, which as we know by this point, if you've been listening to my podcast, I'm sorry, but I'm going to be true to how I feel. Um, I feel like back in George Foreman's heyday, A, to be black was already hard in being a public eye. If you were looked at as being an unpatriotic black person, that was the worst thing possible that you can do. So it was ingrained in them to a certain extent we're already black. We have to at least do the one thing that other white Americans can can like us for. And that's being patriotic. So you had to walk that tight rope of, of really coming off as overly patriotic at times. Or if that's even how you truly felt, more power to you. I do think that our patriotism is something that we should all have. Like I, I've gone on to say How many times I respect our American military, mainly because I become I come from a military family. On top of that, the respect I have for who's in the who whoever holds that seat in the Oval Office, whether I believe or support a lot of what Trump says, I believe that, okay, we got to at least give this guy a try, because now he is in that presidential seat. I'm still going to have issues with things he do he does. I'm going have I had issues with things Barack Obama did. That's never going to change. We should all have that right, but at the same time we shouldn't want to see anyone necessarily fail because that means our country is failing to an extent. Now we'll, we'll, we'll unpack some of that a little bit later. We, we have some things to talk about with that. Um, that's just my whole thing. Uh, I believe in wanting to see our country and our leaders do good. When they fuck up, I'm going to be the first one here to complain about it, talk about it, break it down, because that's just how you have to be open and honest when you're on a public platform is what I have with this podcast right now. So that's one thing, Um, you know, and like I said, I, I truly believe that. Black athletes had to be on such a road back then that now to see black athletes like Kevin Durant say that they would not go to the White House is a shock to a lot of the older generation because they knew if that would have happened to them in their day and time that would have been they would have probably tried to take George Foreman out of boxing if he would have did something like that. Look at what happened to Muhammad Ali when he refused to go to war. So just just let's think about that a little bit and what you know being a patriot and and coming off. Um, well avoiding coming off at all as anti-american anything back in that day really meant to uh, to a lot of black athletes back then but for george foreman to attack those guys and yeah you know, he's he's recently come down on it i mean after he made those statements uh he went on to say that Calvin kaepernick was a is a great football player and he doesn't see why he doesn't have a job and i think that he noticed some of the backlash he was getting from other people in the black community by saying that um so hopefully, you know, that's truthful. That's not just him trying to calm down the public or his fan base or whatever else by saying that. But, you know, be a little bit more aware. Like, I understand that people feel disrespected about what Colin Kaepernick is doing. And there's some people who probably feel disrespected the fact that Kevin Durant wouldn't have went to that White House if he was invited, which I I don't believe that the Golden State Warriors were ever extended an invitation, um, which does how does that go on the flip side? That's one of the things all NBA champions get to do is go or at least get an invitation to the White House For you to not even extend that this is the this is one of my problems with Donald Trump is that he's really reactive to certain things and to certain people being in lights and how they feel about him and it it sways how he responds to people but sometimes it's good to take that higher road and go ahead and extend the invitation but you know we'll we'll break that down I'm sure at some point I'll have a whole uh, stay woke segment about something like this as we see more athletes carry on that, that type of mindset, but to get back to George Foreman and his comments, uh, specifically about Colin Kaepernick, we're, we're going to break down. And this is because it, it's a lot of different things going around and being said about Callen Kaepernick and his ability as a football player. Is he one of the better, the better quarterbacks in the NFL? No, I don't believe he is. I think that he's a very solid quarterback and he could, depending on the system could very well contribute. Now, is he being blackballed because of his beliefs? Probably. Uh, let's just say that a lot of these teams and organizations aren't just football teams. They're whole companies and businesses on their own. And when you have to look at the bottom bottom line, of course, you would be hesitant to sign someone who may carry that negative stigma with them like Callen Kaepernick has. Now, my biggest thing is I don't think that that stigma should necessarily be there, at least not at the level it is that it is. But nonetheless, Callen Kaepernick um, had a 59 percent completion rating of all quarterbacks with the least 300 attempts last year. You know, I, I mean, Calvin Kapernick. Like I said, by no means is he a great quarterback. By no means do I think he necessarily needs a starting job. But could he contribute in certain systems? Absolutely. The the dude had he, he threw for 16 touchdowns, I believe. Um, and so he has talent. I don't, you know, people try to deny or use now, oh, well, in another podcast that I listen to is Ben Shapiro, which everyone should check out because I love Ben Shapiro, even though I I, I disagree with him on Kaepernick. I, I actually question how much he actually watches football Um, because he mentioned how Kellen Kaepernick couldn't throw a forward pass. No, he can absolutely throw a forward pass. His accuracy is, is to question sometimes. Whose isn't? I mean, a a lot of his stats, if you look at what he's able to do, they really do compare to Cam Newton a lot. And people seem to love Cam Newton. I'm not saying he's at Cam, Cam Newton's level, but he's not completely off behind it either. So the guy can throw. The guy can also run. He had fumble problems last year. But what I'm saying is this, is that are there 30 quarterbacks? 32, actually, quarterbacks better than him in the NFL. That's up to be that's up to question. Now, let's take that back. Let's look at second string quarterbacks. Are there 60? Are there over 60 quarterbacks in the league better than Callan Kaepernick? No, there isn't. The only reason he's not signed is because of the stigma. And that's what I choose to believe. You can throw all the stats you want at me. But again, if you look at it, most most teams carry, carry three quarterbacks. So there's no no reason Colin Kaepernick should not necessarily have a job if we're looking just at it off skill. Now looking from it from the business perspective on it, do you want that? If you well you're trying to sell tickets, I'm sure get more season ticket holders, have people come visit you. Would do you want that stigma of of Kaepernick around? That is the question that needs to be asked. And that's, that's a fair question to have. I don't think that is necessarily racist to have that. I don't think that is necessarily completely bad to look at it from that, that standpoint. Hell, I mean, everyone wants to make money. That's why they're doing this, but you still have to be aware enough to really see what's going on here. Um, and you know, Kellen Kaepernick for all, for all what he does and everybody's opinion on it. The fact is the man has an American right to do what he's doing. He's not disrespecting anything. He's not desecrating the flag at all he's not doing it that's not what he's doing if he was I'll be the first one to say boot his ass out the country because that's how I hold the American flag dear to me myself um, but that's not necessarily what he's doing and the thing is is that I want to see now you know Marshawn Lynch he's also sat down now and he he came out and, and said some things about it you know he's not really a talker so you know even though he's a, he's probably a bigger star just due to the fact that he doesn't talk much Anyway, you're not going to really get that attention to it, so to say. Um, but I want to see what would happen if a big time star does something like this. Then what happens? Then are you guys going to is the NFL then going to the blackball people? Or are you going to have your your eye on the bottom dollar enough not to sign someone? If, let's say let's compare it back to Cam Newton. If Cam Newton was to do this consistently and get this attention. I, I truly do not believe that teams just wouldn't sign Cam Newton. Like I said, this is just my opinion on the on the topic. I'm not holding it as complete truth. I'm not saying that it's necessarily all the way right. But it's something that I wanted to speak about and that, you know, hey, this, this is what this podcast is here for. I have the platform. I'm definitely going to use it. We are going to go ahead and stop. We're going to go right into, because we, again, I hit you guys with something heavy a little bit off, off the top here, off the rip here, but we're going to go ahead and head into the uh, TV and film review, which is, like I said, this week, it's uh, The Defenders with The Andrew Bello. I hope you guys enjoy.
1: The thing about war is, it only works if both sides believe they're the good guys. The truth is, we're not so different. We fight to get back what was once ours. But in the end, and this is the end, it's just a city. You'll get used to watching them fall.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, and anything in between, uh, this is The Waking Soul, and we're about to talk some uh this is our tv and film section and or film section today we're talking some defenders uh the netflix series that was just recently released that brought together the heroes of luke cage jessica jones daredevil and iron fist i have the one and only the andrew bellows back again this time finally to talk about something a little light lighthearted and fun andrew tell the people what's going on
2: What's going on, people? Yes, happy to be back. Happy to be talking about yeah, a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit uh, you know less less serious, less uh, polarizing. Per- well, maybe not. I guess we'll see. We'll see where this conversation goes. Uh, but yeah, the the MCU uh, defenders, all of the Netflix universe, been uh, I mean, huge fan. And uh, just finished my second rewatch of the Defenders, so hopefully I yeah you know, could kick in a few thoughts here.
0: Yeah. So when when um when uh Gerald Cooper was on, I asked him to predict what who would be the breakout star, of the defenders you know me and him talked, which I know you're involved into he he didn't really care to even see the defenders. I don't know if he's watched it. I know he was kind of down on it. he was waiting to hear some reviews and how we felt on it, so I still don't know if he's watching it or not yet. I'll catch up with him a little bit later today, but to throw that question to you, if there was a breakout star in the defenders, who do you think it was?
2: Uh, I think it, well, Iron Fist for me, I mean, just, I guess as far as improvement, um, I think, you know, he, he improved vastly. Frankly, I don't think we, we barely needed the Iron Fist season one for this to all work out the way that it did. I thought like his introduction to the series where he, he's, you know, uh, chasing after the hand with Colleen, I guess we would have needed a little bit of background with Colleen and Bakudo. But other than that, like uh, we got everything we needed out of Iron Fist in that first exchange with Luke Cage. Uh, you know, he hits him with that fist. We know how powerful he is. We know he's kind of on the on the side of good because he's chasing after the hand. I, 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 you know, I thought he really, really stood out here. I thought he looked about was so much better than I could have thought he would have after watching season one.
0: Yeah, uh, Luke Cage was a lot better, his whole character depiction. But I think it was more so, too, like in his in his solo season, he just came off as a whiny kid, at least to me. And at least this in this series, he had p- other people to play off of, and he did get a little bit more serious at times. The, the main thing that I want to see from Iron Fist Season 2 is I just want him to stop saying I am the immortal Iron Fist. We get it. Stop saying it. Like every time he pulls that line out, it bothers me. It just makes me think like, okay, show, don't tell. But whatever there. Um, for me, honestly, I I went in for a big part of the season it was Luke Cage to me. But then I realized Luke Cage has been awesome since his season. It wasn't really much change there. Jessica Jones, I, I loved everything about I love how she was over the group. She really just wanted to find out what was going on for her clients' family and eventually came around. Um I don't know. It, it, to me it was it was her. I like her a lot. Uh I'm looking forward to I think her season is the is the next one up if if I'm not mistaken, but Jessica Jones, I just Christian Ritter is such a good actress to me. Um, I, I found myself really attached to her besides the sides character like like Colleen. She's still she's still the bee's knees to me. That, that's an amazing woman.
2: Yeah, uh, I thought Colleen didn't look so great in all of this. She felt very, you know, like, I don't know, there was the whole at the end where she comes back and she actually helps them out, which is a big moment for her because she just has this inferiority complex being around not only Danny, but then Luke enters the fold and blind ninja daredevil enters the fold and and Jessica Jones, obviously. Um, so I, I didn't think it was a particularly good look for her that she was just, like, so desperate to, like, want to be in the action and felt so inferior. Like, you're not a mutant or a iron fist or had horrible experiments, you know, <laughs> done to you. you know, it, it, at the end of the day, I, I don't know. Like, Claire doesn't necessarily have that same sort of thing. As a matter of fact, it, it, they make her kind of look bad in that respect where they, it did sort of lean that way towards the end of the series that she felt really, like, Useless And Colleen had to try to talk her up and be like, no, no, you're doing all this other stuff. Um, I, I don't know. I thought that I thought there was going to be a lot of more strength from those characters in particular. The Misty's, the Colleen's, the Trish's, uh, the Claire. You know, I thought they would contribute more than they did because I, I, those are some of my favorite characters.
0: Yeah, the side characters in, in this Netflix side of the MCU, the side characters have just they've really held up the series to a certain extent like they've each each one has had a character that's really shined and probably more so than what they were even expecting i honestly wouldn't mind seeing a little side uh movie where you bring all the side characters together like foggy claire um uh who i miss what's the cop's name i keep forgetting her name now Misty. misty yeah misty Uh, all of them together and have them kind of something really small. But now that they all know each other, maybe they reach out. Maybe Misty runs into a case where it's a super super superpower person and Daredevil's off doing what? So she reaches out to Foggy. Like, I I just think that there's enough character building with these side characters um, that you can do something like that. Even if it's just one one random episode that they pull together one day that it's just an hour long, kind of in between everyone else's seasons. They've done that type of world building in this Netflix universe. Honestly, almost as much so, if not more, in certain aspects as the actual cinematic MCU.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of these side characters kind of pop up in Punisher, which is coming up, because there's no real characters around Punisher outside of maybe Karen Page and Daredevil, if you're going to incorporate them into it. But, you know, it, maybe he pops up in Harlem and he tries to shoot Luke Cage and that doesn't work out. Like, maybe not necessarily in this season, because I'm sure somebody would have leaked some footage of something that cool happening um, on one of the sets. But uh, I, I don't know. Like, maybe those. maybe we get Trish Walker... Has to discuss on a more grand scale where Frank Castle's place is in the world. Is he, you know, obviously that the whole debate is like whether or not he's necessary or, you know, if he's just a psychopath that we should be locking up. Uh, And some people are pretty split on it because obviously he sort of serves a common good, but at the same time, he does it in the most cruel of methods. So I don't know. Punisher, I'm looking forward to that's the next one. And then I believe you're right, Jessica Jones is, is coming up after that.
0: Yeah, Punisher is going to be amazing. I don't know how I forgot about Punisher. That that I, Frank Castle, uh, John Bertha who they got to play him is just he he embodies that role so well. Um, but to get back to the defenders, what did you think about? You know, I guess we just have to get into it the story overall, but more importantly that ending. We can save that to the to the very end if you want to save that off. But you know the threat that these guys face and Sigourney Weaver's character, while I thought she was acted. I mean, it's Sigourney Weaver. I don't think she's ever acted a bad role in her life. I had a little issue with the with the plot overall and what the threat ended up being. But how did you feel about it? I
2: I don't know how I feel about the hand. Honestly, I think it all really kind of kind of comes down to that. You know, the villain is really what has made a lot of these series. um, You know, Kilgrave obviously is is a big one, and Wilson Fisk, and, and and you know, Diamondback, and and. Uh, Cottonmouth and those kind of guys kind of like you know it's almost like wrestling right like the heel makes the face so the villain is very important in these sorts of things And the hand the way it's been introduced and it's been built it's been sort of ominous all of a sudden like boom right at the beginning of this show we get way more information about it than we ever had on the build-up to it like I think it would have been kind of cool if at the end of Iron Fist they kill Gao or they kill Bakudo and they think that that's the only person that's running the the head of the hand and then they discover that there's four other fingers and then that's what they're dealing with in the Defenders and then the whole four on four dynamic would would work obviously as well Uh, but yeah I I don't know I wasn't huge on the hand so and Sigourney Weaver was great don't get me wrong Madam Gao I'm actually sort of intrigued by her but what what is Madam Gao like is she a Jedi I don't quite understand she's like a 65 year old asian woman who you know 80 well i guess she's like a hundred years or if not thousands of years old in, in 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 the kayfabe but you know to push her hand out and just push people
0: around is like the, the, how is anyone more powerful than her well the thing is is that if that is a side effect of this elixir that they were taking then why isn't why don't they all have powers like that why didn't every member of the hand as far as the 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 fist of the hand um have those because she was really the only one Sigourney Weaver didn't show any of that Bakuda, while a very talented martial artist he didn't really show any superpowers of any kind either it's it was really just reserved to Madame Gal, and I think that that's why she was the one who uh I, I think she made it out of I mean I know the ending leaves it kind of um uh, up to interpretation whether or not she would have made it out of there and we'll talk about reasons why but you know Madame Gal, I think she's going to go forward and I think at least in Ironfish Fish. I think she's going to be in that second season.
2: Yeah, I'd imagine she'll probably be in even the third season of uh, Daredevil because, well, I mean, I guess we're going to get to the ending here now with him basically surviving. It looks like by all accounts, Um, you know, and Gao and Elektra probably both got out of that if he got out of it. So you'd imagine maybe Gao and Elektra Team up, And that's season three of Daredevil, or maybe they, you know, maybe they just wait until Iron Fist and and we get Electric carrying over into Iron Fist, which would be kind of cool as well. I don't know, but I I didn't, I didn't love the ending. Like in my head, I, I don't know the whole, the, the, one of the big storylines throughout the show was obviously the heroes for hire tease with Iron Fist and Luke Cage. And as cliche as it would have been for Luke to have gotten the building crumbled on him and then obviously he'd recover from it, like not that big a deal, it wouldn't be that hard of a sell. Uh, Having that situation and then having the show end with Danny Rand standing in front of the barbershop and that instead of hanging out on top with with Daredevil, who really wasn't – they were never really buddy-buddy at any point during this process. Like for him to kind of take up his mantle seems a little odd, but I guess we'll see where – they have to go from there what did you think about that was that sort of weird to
0: you as well well it wasn't weird to me for two reasons a i read the comics and almost any time daredevil needs to take a break or he's injured it's been danny Rand to put on his costume and, and gallivant around as daredevil okay while, while see Ma- that's
2: something i didn't even know about see, yeah, <laughs> see, so i don't so, do the comics but i I'm, i love the series so this is all new to me
0: yeah so that that that's kind of why they did that i think but um More importantly, I think that once you found out that Stick's the chase was supposed to be Iron Fist Army and Daredevil was Stick's prize pupil, so to say, there's a kind of kinship there. Even though they could have played it off a little bit better, I think that once Matt learned that and learned because you know he, he respects Stick. Once he realized that Stick's ultimate purpose was to serve the Iron Fist, he maybe made him feel a little bit more comfortable with okay. danny's the guy who i'm gonna leave to to take care of my city as he looks at it
2: yeah i guess that makes sense that whole scene uh where the two of them square off in that whatever basement where they were holding sawande uh and and you could see like sticks like ears like perking up at, at just the thought of the two of them fighting together like this is something he's thought about for a long time it's like if i ever get them together like what happens and Stick let's let's talk about stick because there was a couple things that I picked up here was stick an iron fist in the past and was stick also a uh, disciple of Madame Gao because there's that whole thing where Bakudo says like just because I didn't blind my former disciples doesn't mean uh, you know I'm not I'm not disciplining them or whatever the case may be that there was some sort of exchange like that which led me immediately to think to stick um, are those things something that are also in the comics that I'm just not aware of?
0: No, that is not. Um, that's not in the comics at all. Um, matter of fact, Madam Gow isn't necessarily in the comics either. There's another character, I'm at a loss for what her name is, That that's kind of parallel to Madam Gow. But, um... Yeah, so I, I don't know if that, but I, that line, it does make you think that the only reason why I would think that maybe that's not the case is that apparently the hand broke away from um, Kunlun, hundreds of years ago. Stick to to at least nothing that I've picked up is supposed to be that old. So I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I I don't know. But you know, we got at the end of Daredevil season one, we got the guy that stick reported to his name stone in the comics that he said that the guy asked stick will he be ready when the doors open now they never pick back up on that thread at all so maybe maybe not stick but maybe the guy who trained stick was Madame gals pupil but you know that that at that point you're trying i'm just trying to put things together that have never been linked together in the show i could see that
2: yeah that that makes that makes a lot of sense yeah maybe he was um, yeah, maybe he—that guy was one of Gao's students, and, and maybe in, even in the same class as Bakudo at that time, which is what he was referencing. All right, that all lines up for me. Um, I don't want to—I don't want to take up too much of your time with all this, but I do want to get into Jessica Jones a little bit because you did talk about her before, and she's my favorite show of all of them by by far and away. Like that—that that whole first season, I can watch that all over again. Uh, a lot of that has to do with Kilgrave, but. I was very worried going into the defenders that maybe she wouldn't have quite as much depth and character and zip about her as she does in in that show with with Kilgrave being the focus of it. And she came off, like you said, like she really did stand out while uh, while I think Danny stood out a little bit more because he was sort of the centerpiece, uh, uh, even as far as the story goes. Uh, But Jessica with the one liners and I love that she's just like the only time we see like the real Jessica Jones is when she's talking to Trish and very rarely Luke and even more rarely Malcolm, but like she very rarely isn't behind a facade of alcohol and sarcasm. And, and it's the, the character really is just spectacular. And, and I I sent you a link today about the, uh, the fact that she apparently is the most popular of the properties. It's not just me, I guess, which was kind of cool to hear. I figured daredevil would have had it, but um, yeah, Je- Jessica Jones is spectacular. And I, I think I'm really looking forward to season two, and I'm really looking forward to see more Trish leaning into Hellcat, which is something I do know about because I looked into the comics a little bit. But yeah, I mean Jessica Jones, spectacular.
0: Yeah, she she's amazing. Like I said, they they picked that role perfectly. Uh, I don't remember the names off the top of my head, but there are a lot of the fans were pitching as as we and they tend to do when you hear that shows and and com- characters from the comics are getting their own either show or movie. Um, and a lot of people were down when she was originally casted. But she's more than than killed that role, in my opinion. And like you said, um, I look forward to seeing her next season. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how they work in the lack of Kilgrave. I I know that there's been some things come out. that say he does have a role in the show. But what to what extent that that's left up? But he's definitely I don't think going to be the main villain. And what they do with that is going to be. Um, because Kilgrave was such a it he, he was such a personal villain to her and he got under her skin and made her uncomfortable in a way that she usually covered up. How are you going to replace that with any other villain that leaves me, you know, interested to say the least? I'm a little concerned there as well. But as far as her depiction, I have no 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 qualms at all there. She's she's going to kill it as she always does. Um, now, before we recorded this, I did say that I had something that, you know, I may exaggerate a little. I said it was going to blow your mind. But me and you are both wrestling fans, right? Absolutely. And we are very well um, in touch with the art of booking and what it means to tell a story. And so I, I, I've i said and I've been a little down on Defenders as a whole only because I feel like the threat that they ultimately came against wasn't enough to bring them all together. And I, I just made the parallel in my mind like if you would have the four horsemen regroup and ultimately, who they were fighting was Eugene. That's what I kind of feel like this was. Like, Eugene just want, he just wants his teddy bear. That's all he wants. But you bring the four horsemen together to fight Eugene. But on, on a smaller, on a bigger scale, this got me thinking. Is wrestling, is all wrestling is, is long form, is a long form action movie or TV show? Is that all it is? Like, when you think about it, you have fighting, which is not actually happening you have character development you have stories and you have a reason why two people want to fight each other and everyone who talks about adults watching wrestling all we're watching is a long form action story
2: yeah no that's absolutely right that's one of the things that uh that max landis really drives home in that wrestling is a wrestling youtube video that's ever famous amongst the wrestling crowd and if you're Happen to be listening to this and not a fan of wrestling, you want to check that out because that'll give you a way bigger idea of why people are into it. Um, but yeah, he he talks about it. it's just long form storytelling, exactly like you said. Like the Triple H story is something that's been playing out in front of our eyes over the course of almost 25 years now, from being you know some you know, jobber wrestler to work in his way up to being uh, the blue blooded Connecticut guy who decided to be a wrestler, to be in the DX guy, to be in the, the game, the King of Kings, and then the COO of the company. And, you know, he, he has this storyline that his life is now it's interwoven within the very fabric of who he is as a man, Paul Levesque. You know, it's just, it's, it's really crazy. I think that's, that's something that's completely lost upon people who just look at it and go, "Oh, that shit's fake.
0: Absolutely. It's Absolutely. so real.
2: It's so fake. It's so real. That's like that's how it all comes back full circle, almost with wrestling. But
0: sometimes to bring it back to defenders, and let me, I want to know if you can pick up on what I mean by this, and if not, I'll explain it to you. Iron Fist is Seth Rollins.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's just not over as a baby face. Like I'm just not, <laughs> I'm
0: think, not exactly. Not. Think about it. Like he he went on. He he had his own solo thing out in the Indies, aka Kunloon. He comes back, He he's part of a group that's just, suppo- well, you know, the defenders, it's supposed to be larger than large, the shield was that too. You, you break off, when you look at him solo, he's just an anno- annoying whiner. Iron Fist is Seth Rollins.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And he's sort of entitled, you know, he's got that sort of, uh, he's got the privilege, you know, almost about him. Because Seth Rollins was sort of, even in character, was kind of gifted his... His rise to the top, so yeah, uh, I can, I could see that. Yeah, Iron Fist as Seth Rollins, absolutely.
0: And then once we get uh Heroes for Hire together, it's just Dean and Seth. That's all it is. Yeah,
2: that's a perfect parallel, actually, because people like. <laughs> have a weird obsession with the two characters. Like, I don't understand why Dean Ambrose is as popular as he is. I, I guess I do, but Luke Cage has that same, like, just likability. Like, everyone I know who's ever watched the show loves it. Every woman I know who's ever watched the show is, like, in love with him. Every Obviously, every guy who watches it, like, wouldn't mind being a giant, jacked-up, bulletproof dude. You know, it's just yeah. one of those things you just inherently like Luke Cage, especially the, the character and the fact that he is so humble and uh sort of just you know almost doesn't doesn't care like he doesn't necessarily want to go out there and 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 cause chaos for the sake of causing chaos stick gives him that speech talking about um you know you could do a lot more damage if you let yourself go and he has no interest in doing that like he just wants to do the bare minimum he's willing to take and take and take as opposed to just go on the offensive hurt a bunch of innocent people and end things early and I think you know that's admirable everybody kind
0: of appreciates that Absolutely absolutely so you know, I mean we we pretty much ran through all the defenders. Um th- and we talked about the ending. So as far as the ending, are you familiar at all with who Daredevil's mother is? No. Okay. What I want you to do, once we get off here, I want you to go and look up Born Daredevil Born Again. That's kind of where they're going with season three. Great story. Um, at least that's where I hope that that's where they're going with season three. So look into that. But I mean, anything else that you want to say on on the Defenders before we go ahead and wrap this up?
2: I will say I feel like overall it was very underwhelming as much as I loved it and I'll watch it a bunch of times. Like for – I don't know. It's like this to me is like the Avengers movie, right? Like we we got the build with with Cap and with Iron Man and Hulk to a little degree and Thor and it was like, all right, fuck yeah. I can't wait to see them all together. Same thing with this and I just feel like eight 45-minute episodes – Uh, They left a lot of development out. Like I said, I could have used a hell of a lot more Trish, could have used Karen doing a little bit more other than just sitting around drinking coffee and waiting for Matt not to die. Um, (laughs) And, and, you know, just, I I don't know, Colleen felt blah, like Claire didn't really, Claire has been fighting or training to fight for five seasons of Marvel now. Where the fuck was she when when the fighting came? She desperately needed Colleen's help all of a sudden. It was all very weird. Um, and I don't know, there could have been a uh, Punisher. There could have been the Meachums and Davos and all that stuff getting pulled into it. They left a lot on the table. And while maybe they'll make up for it with Punisher and Jessica Jones and, and the third season of Daredevil, I, I don't know, but I don't know. I was left wanting, which is probably their goal. But as a fan, it's sort of disheartening.
0: Well, and the thing is, is that, you know, it is supposed to parallel the Avengers, but the Avengers had the hook of Loki being such a relatable villain to where he can get under all the hero's skin and he was related to Thor. So there was a, there was something that he did that made every one of those people want to go after him by the end of that story. Sigourney Weaver was never really that my, it could have easily been one fix. And this is, this could have made this whole series have a different feel. If she was either daredevil or iron fist's mother, it would have completely changed the stakes in that show.
2: Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I see I see where you're going there. I mean, like with, with Iron Fist being sort of the polar opposite of the hand, I think it sort of works out that way. And But they could have driven that home more and we could have had more of Sigourney Weaver in Iron Fist or previous, you know, iterations of, of this net, uh, Netflix universe to really drive it home. Or, like I said before, like all of a sudden – they, If they had just defeated Gao or Bakudo at the end of Iron Fist and they, they thought that they were done with it only to discover now that there's the other four fingers of the hand to deal with for the defenders, that's something I could have wrap my head around or or, or really enjoyed more like oh shit like we we just got rid of this guy now we got to deal with four more of them like we're gonna need help oh coincidentally it's time to get all of them all of these guys together anyway as far as the storyline goes that would that would have been a a bit more of an interesting angle to me than what we ultimately got with with Alexandra who just you know she makes her grand appearance just popping up in a Chinese restaurant like it just seemed very odd and anticlimactic as far as the villain went here (laughs)
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah it, yeah, it was. But, you know, hopefully, and we're, I definitely think we're going to get a season two of Defenders. It's probably going to take another four years to get it, two or three, hopefully, because it seems like they're, they're filming like three series at a row right now. They, they're, I think, still wrapping up Punisher if they didn't just finish it. And Daredevil and Jessica Jones are both filming right now. So they're, they've realized that they have something here that they can't have so much of a gap between each series, which I love. And, um, Hopefully, hopefully next season we have a bigger threat. Um, It was cool seeing the dragon. And, you know, one last thing. I know we were just getting ready to wrap up, but I have to ask your opinion on this. The whole Black Sky thing. In season one of Daredevil, they built up the Black Sky, that one kid to feel like something supernatural, something ominous. Really, Elektra as the Black Sky was no different than Elektra before, except she seemed a little... My memory wiped, and the fact that she had no nothing holding her, her back, like she was an all-out killing machine, but she didn't get imbued with any supernatural powers. And her oh, spider, I thought her, she
2: did, no? You, I you, mean, she, I, would, she like one-punch KO'd Luke Cage. Like, I feel like some, that
0: something she could Oh, you're done right. Before. That, yeah, that, and then she and she Jessica. did get hit, she got hit by a car and kind of got right back up. So maybe, okay, so I'll take that back. She did have a little bit more to her, but it just didn't seem like they really used that story. Like, she should have been unstoppable there should have been a couple of scenes where she took out each hero or at least a couple of them paired out paired up to where they realize okay all four of us are going to have to go after it because it just ended up being her and matt at the end and i don't know if it was her love for matt or whatever but matt was holding his holding his own against her and we know that matt has no at least physical super superhuman abilities
2: yeah maybe you're right well she does say that like he kept saying to her Um, you know, if this is who you are, then why haven't you killed me yet? And she said, you know, I like the game or she, you know, she's in it for the chase, if you will. It's just, it's sort of, it, that dynamic is so crazy, but I do sort of agree. There was something weird about the fact that she goes into this, you know, goes through this process, comes back out. She can't remember stuff, but she does remember stuff. Or maybe she kind of, the idea is that she regains some memory of some stuff she gets these powers they're sort of ambiguous but they're not entirely all powerful you know uh, it, it, she was not by any means a Thanos level villain for this sort of defenders reason or Loki even for that matter like uh, to draw the Avengers parallel but I, I don't know Yeah, it, it was sort of odd that she went from you know went came out of this and she made just all of these jumpy transitions in character throughout the course of the show and a lot of it didn't it didn't line up for me and maybe even the slightest mention of the black sky in the iron fist series might have tied it all together a little bit better too like if he's the sworn enemy of the hand he has to know that they're after a black sky to end humanity or whatever the hell so that would have been a good tie-in that i think was left out there
0: absolutely but you know i mean that's pretty much it we we did we talked about just about everything in it um just a final thing before you tell the people where they can find you which they should be familiar with you by now, but your rating for defenders one out of ten. I mean one through ten. I'm sorry,
2: one through ten. I will give it. I give it like a six point five seven. I'm in that I'm in that range. I, I again. I'll probably watch it again. I've already watched it twice just because I, I like the content, the one liners from Jessica Jones, uh, the the fact that Danny Rand doesn't look like such a bitch. Um, you know, just the all encompassing individual parts i guess rather i really appreciate but the story as a whole sort of it it was off-putting it, it could have been a lot better it could have been a lot more epic and it didn't feel that way so yeah 6.57 and uh yeah if you want to find me on twitter at wwp for wrestling chatter and at the andrew Bello for political chatter
0: well there you go and if i had to give it a rating it would have been like a five and a half and it and it sucks and you know maybe i do need to watch it again there there was a lot of things that i enjoyed about it as far as like i said the characters they got perfectly the story Mm -hmm. uh i I have my issues and qualms with it there but andrew thanks again for coming on the awakening so glad to have you talk about something a lot more lighthearted and fun um but as i always like to say before you leave i know you'll be back it's only a matter of time and depending on what we're going to be talking about
2: All right. I hope so. Look forward to it and take it easy. Everybody.
0: Thank you again. Goes out to the Andrew Bellow, who I continue to use all over the place on this podcast. If you guys can't tell by now, Andrew is highly intelligent, very well spoken. So there's no telling where he may pop in on this podcast on what segment or not. Hell, he may even wind up with his own show very soon. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about those plans a little bit later, but this what we're getting ready to go into is the segment, the 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 deep segment, the deepest portion of the Wake and Soul podcast, and that is the Stay Woke segment. We're going to go ahead and get into Stay Woke, and after we come on the other side of that, we're going to get into um, a conversation with Gerald L. Cooper, and that is about um, the top five black stand-up comedians of all time. But you know, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. It's time for Stay Woke. Uh, we're gonna get into the music on the other side of that. You'll be hearing the Stay Woke segment.
1: Stay woke. Stay woke. Stay woke.
3: Stay woke. Stay woke. Stay woke.
0: Stay woke. All right, so we've reached the Stay Woke segment, which is quickly becoming a lot. I think a lot of people's favorite segment of our show. Uh, I, I hear so much feedback about the the Stay Woke segment because that's what it's here for. I mean, the whole podcast is here for that, but. You know specifically, stay woke, it leaves a lot to be talked about, and in this week, and what we're doing with the stay woke segment is it's not really just based on, on politics like it has been the last couple of shows, it, there's some of it, um, definitely in there. But overall, what I'm what I want to talk about with this segment today is the fact that everyone, well, it seems like most media, uh, most people on social media. Everyone's so focused on the current racial climate and there absolutely is a racial aspect in what's going on today, but it's becoming so much more than that. And I think that everyone's so focused on the race aspect, even like I said, even in the media, that it's really distracting people from what could be starting to happen in this country. That is far, far, far more, more reaching than that and can have even tougher implications on just the way we live our day-to-day lives. So, and that aspect is, is that, like I said, it's, everyone's focused on race, but it's becoming about more than that. We're, if we're at a quote unquote civil cold war in this country now, it's not about race. It's about ideals and it's about the right and the left and more so Antifa in the far right, if you want to kind of be exact. And what I'm saying by that is the left now is is at least attempting in some aspects to paint everyone who is on the right or at least most people who speak out on the right as just neo-Nazis. And that's not the case. Yes, there is a, is that group of neo-Nazis there and they're completely despicable Disturbing, idiotic people, um but it's about more than that. And you have the people on the right and the actions of Antifa, and a lot of people now who are speaking up and protesting are getting painted with that light. And you, let's see why that is. A Antifa, why they do fight neo Nazis? They are attaching themselves to the Black Lives Matters movement as as a as an end, as a way to get people into their cause. And people aren't really seeing just how bad Antifa is because they're, I guess, not really their morals, but the ideals of fighting neo-Nazis are, I guess, well, not I guess, but are far more, far, far less negative, I should say, than what neo-Nazis are pushing, but their actions are not really that far off from the neo-Nazis. You know, we, we had, for example, there was an, um, and Antifa protest. It was well, it was a protest in Seattle. During that protest, a female Antifa member who was who said she was from Charlottesville. Spoke on the fact that they wear masks so that they don't have to. Go to work and be judged, they won't go noticed. they won't have to worry about people attacking them in their families, which I get. I completely get. But and I'm going to quote this. She went on to say. I didn't create a debate. That's not why we're here. We fight Nazis. We punch them. We hurt them. We prevent them from having a platform. That's that. That's the type of mindset. That's the type of ideology that causes and that does nothing but raises the ante and it causes more fighting. I get completely fight and, and, and not the, the literal sense the movement of the of the neo-nazis what their goals are but when you go in and this is what antifa is starting to do they go into the situations and they make them hostile how is that much different from what the neo-nazis are doing yes their ideas in in in, in not being racist are better than what the neo-nazis are but i'm talking strictly here about the actions of what they're doing need to, to to kind of drill this this point home we there was a, another protest In which a white American who was not a neo-Nazi, it was it was a free speech protest, got punched in the face by alleged Antifa member all for looking like a neo-Nazi. The guy was tattooed. I can't remember if he was bald head or not, but he did have tattoos in his in his neck area and he got punched and attacked because he looked like a neo-Nazi. This isn't black on white. This is not about that. This is white on white. People who are both on the left, but he gets attacked all because Antifa, like I said, alleged, I don't have the details if it did come out to be true that it was an Antifa member, but because he allegedly looked like a Nazi. That's the climate we're going into in this country where it's not about just race. It's about being on one side of the spectrum or the appearance of it, and then you can be subject to attack. Let's drill this home point a little bit further. So there was another uh, protest, which they're all over the country now. Um, it, this one was about uh, white supremacy and the Confederate uh, monuments. And so it was Black Lives Matter and Antifa there. Argument broke out between the Black Lives Matters and Antifa, who are both supposedly on the left and supposed to be doing the same thing. A fight broke out because a member of the Black Lives Matter movement Asked Antifa member to unmask. And it just shit hit the fan from there. Still, let's break this down a little bit further. I do want to mention many states have anti-masking laws, specifically when protesting. And a, if you're there to only protest verbally, which is your American right, there should be no reason to cover your face. You should want your face to be seen. You should want to have your face attached to noble movement but because antifa is not necessarily there just to do that they are there to fight nazis you know going back to what i talked about at the beginning of the segment that female antifa member who was from charlottesville specifically said fuck your constitution but these are the people who have such a more noble cause again as an american anyone who says fuck your constitution I have an issue with that. Yes, our Constitution has problems. Our government completely has problems. But what is the purpose of saying fuck your Constitution if you're there to debate white supremacy and Confederate monument radicals? Just think about that for a second. To even to even go back further on and, and I'm sticking to, I've been sticking to just the Antifa um, s- section for a while. Let, let's let's come off that for a while. Katrina Pearson, who I believe works for President Trump, or at least did at some point, was on the news in which she she took the bait in the the sense that they were talking about the Confederate monuments and she was speaking about American history and saying how Americans are attached to their history, mentioning that the Confederate monuments were put up after the Civil War. Um, And another black person who was there on this interview with her, baited her and asked is slavery good history because Katrina Pearson had mentioned all history is good history which i i do think that, that there's some there's some issue there with that statement um at least may, maybe it would be had better to say that all history is is relevant you can learn from all history those are all things that i can get behind and i can agree with people making those statements but to say all history is good history that's not really necessarily true at least from the way that i see it but she so she's, her saying that all history is good history was then twisted around on her when she was asked, Is slavery good history? Her not thinking immediately said yes and then went on to make her point. This was two ethnic women. This was not black and white. There was uh, that were then put against each other in having a debate on it being black versus white thing. But that was black versus black. That's why I'm saying where we're going in this climate is not just about race. And for anyone who's just focused on that aspect, that's what they want you to do. They want you to just focus because they know. And when I say they, the media, anywhere else, the powers to be, however you decide to look at it, that racism, racial issues, elicit such a guttural response from a lot of people in this country on both sides, the black and white. You Again, as black people, we've always needed white Americans also to be behind our cause to help us move things forward. I don't think anyone really nowadays disputes that, but to get back on it, um, it's becoming more than race. Like you have blacks versus blacks, whites versus whites. It's really more so becoming what political side of the spectrum do you fall on? And that is much more dangerous, I think, than it just being a racial component, because that encompasses so many different people, so many different races, colors, sizes, sex, genders. It's so much that can be incorporated when we're going to an area where it's more about the politics. What what's like I said, what side of that spectrum do you fall on? The stay woke segment is here for things like that. I want to hear what everyone else thinks and 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 has to say on this because this is something really it's it's concerning. As someone again, I am from an interracial marriage, so you know I look at things like that. The stuff like that bothers me. You know, everyone's so focused on just race, race, race. Neo Nazis, people speaking out on on neo Nazis, Antifa. If you really step back and look at what's happening and how things are breaking down, even before the Charlottesville incident, it's becoming more than about black versus white Trump versus building that wall. Like it's it's so much more incorporated here. But let me know what you think. I'm definitely. Looking forward to hearing the reactions from this. Like I said, we have a lot of we had a lot of stuff in the show today. Unfortunately, the stay woke segment, I think it's it's not as long as what you guys are used to. It's just me. But I think that it's it's deep. It's it may be even deeper than what we've talked about before. Um, the whole Antifa issue. And and I've I've gone out on message boards. I've brought this up. I've been accused of not being black for not immediately saying that Antifa is necessarily what we need to aspire to or need to be supporting. I definitely think that, you know, there are anti-Nazi, anti-racist causes that we need to get behind. But Antifa, I don't think is the flag barrier or should not be for that because they just are almost like I said they're just as bad as far as causing riots causing a ruckus like protest shouldn't be about oh we're gonna wait on the neo-nazis to show up so then we can fight because that's what we want to use the stage on we want to see we want to be seen literally fighting the neo-nazis because all that does all that does is just causes the neo-nazis to up the ante and and they are bad enough what Completely defend yourself. I believe fully, 100% in anybody defending themselves. I teach my kids that. I was taught that as a kid. I was a little bit crazy though, but I was taught that as a kid also. You absolutely should defend yourself. You absolutely should protect yourself. You should absolutely protest. But don't go into situations looking for it to get more hostile so then you can have an excuse to fight. And I think that that's what Antifa represents. Like I said, again, this is just me and my standpoint on of it but it's so much more than just race and i and i just hate seeing everyone uh, there was a specific message board that i was on and i'm not going to mention it cuz i don't want anybody else going there trying to call shit on my behalf but specifically someone said we're going into a race war in this country i mentioned in that message board well it's deeper than just race it was deeper than just race. I said, also look at what Antifa has done and what the problems they have caused in, in, you know, making situations more hostile. And immediately I was fired back at, I question if you're still black. Well, yeah, I'm still black. I'm a hundred percent still African-American. Well, again, I'm, I'm, from a mixed relationship, so I'm not a hundred, but I'm African-American. So I still a hundred percent support the causes of African, African-American when I'm going out speaking. I I, I'm not going out saying, you know, this is for mixed race. I'm, I'm supporting my African American brethren. And when you look at me, no one would guess that I'm not African American. So, you know, that, that is what it is, but it's something to be said about how that response. and, And if that, that response of now just black people going out, white people, white people, white people, you're really only taking in part of the picture if you make it just about whites versus blacks. Uh, but but that that's that's the point of the of the stay woke segment today. Let me know what you think. Again, I'm CEO Hayes. You can let me know what you think at CEO Hayes. You can also use the hashtag Awaken Soul. I definitely check that for anyone who mentions that in in their in their uh, in their tweets or on social media. More importantly, you can email me TheAwakenSoulPod at gmail Let's go ahead and get into into a conversation with. Gerald L. Cooper about the top five black comedians of all time. You're gonna hear a brief a brief music break, and then on the other side of that you will be hearing me and Gerald L. You
1: must take command.
0: Product of the block. We used to cook the product in the pot. Add so to turn the product in the rock. It's in my DNA. You see, get started with my pops. In this heyday, he probably put your father in the box. In my heyday, I probably put the ladies and gentlemen. In Ain't no vacation. Nah, we got the call call returning Gerald L. 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 Cooper. Welcome <laughs> him to the Welcome Waking soul, soul Podcast. So we are so here to talk it's about our respective list of the top five black stand-up comedians. Of no. all time, this is something purely fun. Um, you know, the last couple of episodes of The Waking Soul have been very, very heavy, so we wanted to add some levity throughout this show. We still had our heavy segment in the in the Stay Woke segment, but it's time to just have some fun and let loose. Coop, thank you for returning to The Waking Soul podcast.
3: Not, not a problem, sir. Well, wait a minute—you called me for for levity
0: and humor. <laughs> 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 okay, sure. I can I can try to pull that off. Well, I mean, it's going to be some levity to it. I, you're, you're, you're The reason why you're here is, is for your mind and however it decides to go at whatever time. That's why you're here. So be you, Coop. Be you 100%. Let's get into this. We've prefaced it enough. You're number five of the five best stand-up comedians, black stand-up comedians of all time. Give it to me.
3: Okay, well, you know that this was difficult
0: to begin with, right? Absolutely. But I have Robin Harris as, oh, um, as number God. five. thank God. Thank God. You know, and we were going to go back and forth, but I'm, when we agree, I'm just going to say it. He is also my number five. And for this generation, they probably aren't as familiar with him. If you are, more power to you. If you're not, definitely go check it out. But go ahead, Coop. I'm sorry. No,
3: no, no, not, not at all. Um... I, okay, we we talked about this, and I feel like most comedians, most stand-up comedians in particular, aren't special, and they don't come across. I, I feel that a lot, of, a lot of stand-up comedians can do certain things, and in an hour set, you're going to get a chuckle out of people, but to actually be able to reach folks and um, have them understand your pain and make them laugh at your pain, uh, it, it's special. And Robin Harris kind of... It was um, it was this HBO special. He kind of came out of nowhere as far as I was concerned. This was late 80s, like very late 80s. And, and he's he's talking about the, the dating life at an older age and, you know, getting with women with kids. And, you know, I, I wasn't old as my ass is now. I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't quite there. But but at, but that was something that um, I, I kind of never heard before. You know, and um, and and he sort of opened the doors for the Bernie Macs and the like um, talking about where where, let's say Cosby talked about family life. He talked about it in a much different light.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, come on now, baby kids, he gave us baby exactly. kids. So, I mean, but no, that that's just a, a small snapshot of the man himself. He was a great comedian. Great, and he died in 1990. So you know, there it's it's pff, goddamn, it's been 27 years since he passed away. Wow, yeah. wow! Like I, I never really thought about it until just saying it. Like the guys comedy is still relevant and funny to this day and I think that is the mark of a great comedian in general is when you can go back and look at their work and you can go into it fresh and still get a laugh out of it like the guy from Chicago where my dad's from so like I said my dad is Chicago everything so that's how I got introduced to Robin Harris I mean damn I didn't realize he died in 1990 that was I was four when he died so just that just lets you know How much my dad, even though he's a white man, loved Robin Harris because I mean, all throughout my life, I can remember us watching Robin Harris stand up. So that guy, he he was he was hilarious. the The way that he delivered, he could pull a laugh out of you,
3: like like stuff you know. And again, that's special. It's like stuff that you shouldn't, like you feel like you shouldn't necessarily laugh
0: at. He he could he could wrench a laugh out of you. Yeah, and he wasn't slapstick funny. The, the The stuff that he was talking about was very real, but he did it, he presented it in such a comedic way that it may have it made people a little uncomfortable, but then it made them laugh, and that's what endeared you to the man. Right. No, so, that's a great point. So yeah, that that that's my number five as well. Um so I guess since we both had the same number five, I'll I'll lead off with my number four. And I don't know. I don't know how you're gonna feel about this, because I I didn't give you my list. You didn't necessarily give me yours. But my number four it's Bruce Bruce. I'm sorry. Like I, I've seen <laughs> growing up, growing up, we're well not growing up, but, but coming into my adulthood, I, I lived in St. Louis, as I've said on this podcast a lot, Bruce Bruce was the most featured comedian in St. Louis. So I've seen I've seen more Bruce Bruce stand up like live than I have seen anybody else's stand up if you combine all the other stand-ups that I've seen. So it, it may be a little biased in that sense, but I've seen the guy and okay. So the the downside with Bruce Bruce is especially Looking in the la- well that too. But in the latter few <laughs> years is that he's been telling the same jokes for like the last five years. I will give you okay. that. He's been telling the same exact jokes, but up until that point, like like I said, things that that the the nation as a as a large may have never seen because i don't really know how many stand up specials he's had but i've seen him so much live like anybody who's been to the funny bone in st louis i guarantee you they've probably seen bruce bruce no less than 10 times i've got to see the guy so much and i've seen so many so much stuff from him that not that many people have gotten to see the guy made it he breached into my top 5 but go ahead with your number what's four. his um what's his appeal to you bruce bruce mhm I mean, he's just a hilarious, like it's it, the A, he's great at humor, body humor because he uses his size t- to his advantage. Um, but also, and keep in mind. You know, I've seen him a lot. Like I said, I'm just now 30. So I've seen him a lot in my formative years, the the younger years. And that raunchy, raunchy comedy that he did was just it was hitting to me at that time in life. Like going back and looking at it now as a plus 30 year old, it may just be like corny to me. But when I went into this list, I wanted to make it personal. I didn't want to break it. Like I said, we weren't going into too much analysis of jokes. It's personal to me. And Bruce Bruce is my number four because of that
3: okay okay fair enough he he's never really done anything for me um and, and again i'm like i'm i'm a tough nut to crack when it comes to laughter in in total like i like in, in in a conversational sense i'm all there we were we were just talking at work about how um i i don't i i don't seek out comedy movies like they i'll happen across them and and there, and there may be three or four that okay, like this is a, this is an all time classic. I'm with this, but some some guys just it's like no no that there's just nothing there. Uh He he hosted the uh there's a BET show that he hosted for a while for a little while. Yes, he did. Okay, okay, and again, like some guys in, in spurts, they're fine. He just he never he never did anything for me.
0: And and, like, and I and I completely understand that because like I said, if I had a name like some of the best the, the top. 20 things I've seen from him. It was all on non nationally televised or, or uh, available by the public. So it's it's completely something that unless you you probably lived in St. Louis and saw him a lot, you probably wouldn't have he probably wouldn't make anybody else's list where he made mine at. That's that's fair. enough. you know, it's all subjective. So, my number
3: 4, and and this is, you know, all these caveats and shit. <laughs> it's this is fluid. So I I put Chappelle at four. Um and and I and I think we, we did talk about this one. For me, Chappelle was what's missing in all art. And you know, and just he was he was that guy in comedy where there were no um there were no social critics, there were no social commentators. And here's this guy. And, and there's a lot of talk about, you know, whether his his, his jokes were all his with the skits and everything and, and who deserves more credit. I, I don't care. Like the delivery was great. He was he was creative. He was topical. None of that stuff. None of that stuff goes away. I, I think that um the uh, oh, my God, the white supremacist skit
0: may oh have been. God. Yeah.
3: One of the greatest things <laughs> I've ever seen ever in comedy. Uh, his his most recent net and that's that's just a show because we're talking about stand up here. Uh, his most recent shows on Netflix, hit or miss. Not as good. Not yeah. not as good to me. And, and and I don't I don't know if he was rusty. I don't know if it was um, a, a style that was older that that hadn't progressed. I'm not, I'm not sure. They they didn't hit like um, some of the other stuff he did. But but he's for it for a body of work. Um, he's he's my number four.
0: Okay, I respect that. I respect you. your number three. Go ahead and go into your number three.
3: Uh, I literally have "Dear God" next to his name, <laughs> and it, and it's and it's Cosby, um, and, and the "Dear God" is for obvious reasons, right? Yeah, um, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I game changer. He's he's on my list as strictly because he really did sort of change a game as far as he didn't have to be dirty. Um, he again we're we're talking about discussing discussing his family clean and still being hilarious. Literally lit, um, any any of those old albums, any like Cosby himself, any of that stuff. I, and, and again, hard nut to crack. If you're making me belly laugh, that counts for something. And then you get his, his business acumen and, and him being, uh, he was one of, one of like the first black actors on, on a comedy show. No, it wasn't comedy. It was um, oh, well, the, the, Rob, the one with Robert Culp. Is, it's escaping me now.
0: Nothing. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I I probably would have known if you didn't just throw it to me. It's one of those things that once you are asked about it, completely leaves your mind. But uh, go ahead. Yeah,
3: but but you know what I am saying. The the the, his his association with Coke, his his association with with Jello, his um, his uh, philanthropy, his his push for education. You like I, I can't divest that from the man. Just like I can't divest. The insanity of, of, of the last couple of years from the man, you know, so so he again for um, being a trailblazer and a game changer. Cosby's my uh, my number three.
0: And if Rufalin is ever made legal, he can be the. Sp- <laughs> OK, let me let me let me stop. We don't want to go into that. <laughs> um, that that's good <laughs> shit. <laughs> Take that on the road. My number three. Is Chris Rock. Chris Rock is just yeah I, I've thoroughly loved Chris Rock and all of his work and you know his movies and, but we're, we're talking about stand-up here the guy had some of the best delivery of any comedian ever like just the way he would hit you with that punchline like it, it would be he would tell a story you would think he's he, he was ending and then boom the punchline comes when you think he's 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 building back up and, you know, his honesty about his life. And yes. he, he's another person who, who has turned some tragedies into very funny moments. And that openness, especially from a comedian, when when they're able to talk about some of the more embarrassing things that have happened in their life and and talk about them honestly on that stage. You're going to win me over every time. Chris Rock is an amazing comedian, amazing actor. Um, they, they, he gets my vote here for sure. And some of his work lately. It's it's better than well, it's right up there with stuff that he did early on in his career, and for that longevity as well, you, you got to give the man the pat on the back for that. I
3: get I give him I give him one dip in um it, because I, I agree with everything he just said. There was the uh, the HBO special where it was from multiple venues, and and he was like at that point he was right around his in his forties, and he had he had veered into Carlin territory where he was. Okay, fuck you guys, I got something to say. And it and it wasn't about necessarily the jokes. I mean the jokes were there, but he was really trying to say something and, and, and make a point. He hadn't gone full curmudgeon, you know, like like we talk you know, mentioned Paul Mooney who's gone full curmudgeon. Uh, we um you know, like when the comedians get older there's the bitterness and he had he had almost hit that and then he, you know, I guess that was just a, a point in his life, um, but but other than that, yeah, that was the only one I did. It was just kind of like, man, Chris, that's this isn't exactly you right here. But but you could but you could see it. Everybody, you know, grows and evolves, and you know your your thought process changes changes over time, and that that shows in the art.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, what you got next? Coup? Let's see what we got. Let's see what we got here. All right,
3: um, Eddie Murphy there is my number go. two. There you
0: go, and
3: and, um, and
0: just just to say it too, Eddie Murphy is also my number two. So we agree. So here. I know who your
3: number one is because we you, we got uh, the same number one.
0: Exactly.
3: Uh, who, who Eddie Murphy could do anything, like like think think of the most ver- versatile actors, or you know, we do a pro wrestling. Uh, we're on a pro wrestling. Um, network or the most pro any any artist who can just take their craft and go anywhere with it and go absolutely anywhere with it from characters to uh you know he's never really done social he's never really done social or political um but to to make you laugh at anything i i was i I remember watching um raw For the first time, and this is this is years and years after Delirious because Delirious is an all time classic, and I was I was still a kid and I didn't exactly get Raw, and I watched it maybe three or four years ago. A friend of mine had it, and this was like, oh, okay, again, where you where you understand where guys are coming from in their lives. Raw was about celebrity and 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 how it affects you and how it changes you and The people you you let in and keep out of your life and uh relationships um from the celebrity standpoint or or in his case super celebrity because eddie was was huge at that time like he was you know he was up there with the michael jacksons and the bananas but but just in a comedy world um so so i i that was a very cool moment for me as an adult to to kind of Okay, now I finally get where you were coming from because I, I probably was thirteen, fourteen when um when the, uh, when Rod actually come out the first time. So yeah, the guy the guy could you know for for whatever you can even say about his his movies and and his you know later in his career the the movies aren't that great, but but committing to those characters, you know, like like the absolute commitment to those characters and the and the makeup and embodying the characters not. You know, to bring another comedian into it, but like I'm going to slice a piece of steak off a of sacred cow here. Martin was just Martin doing characters on that show. If, if you watch it back, Eddie Murphy became those characters. The clumps all the way down to Norbit, which was terrible. <laughs> but you couldn't you, you can't take away the fact that he was totally committed to those characters. So for for those reasons and probably many others. Eddie Murphy's my number
0: 2. Uh yeah, and for mo- most of what you said as well. And if you look at if you look at Delirious and Raw, if you were to to compare that to like music, those are two diamond albums that just cannot be they're timeless. You can right. go back and watch those now and those were I believe Raw was what 87 and Delirious was 82, 83, which Three, I think. Yeah, I think which think is before my time, but I, I go back and I watch Delirium. I probably watch Delirium seriously once to twice a year. Because it's sure. just it's a it's an amazing piece of work, and yeah. I don't see how you can you can uh, deny the guy. But, you know, let's get into our number 1, which obviously we now know we both have the same number 1 because he wasn't anywhere else on this list. And for Richard sure. Pryor not to make a top 5 list of black comedians, you guys are just uninitiated and unaware. That's what I could say. Yeah, I'm not listening to you. Yeah.
3: If Richard Pryor's Pryor's not one or two, I'm just not listening to you. We're
0: we're done having the conversation. Like, we can't talk about black comedians at that point, but Richard Pryor, what can you not say about the man? I mean, he had the Richard Pryor show, which for anyone who doesn't know, the Chappelle show is, is, you can look at it kind of like a sequel to that because he pulled so many ideas from what what Richard Pryor did, Um, but not to say that Dave Chappelle is any less original because he did that. He did his own, but it was very of that style. Um, just, I mean, look at what the guy did is for writing in movies and, like I said, just that. Back to that realness. Like some of the Richard Pryor stuff to to compare what I said earlier. It makes you uncomfortable at the fact that he's talking about it, but it's Richard Pryor, and you're gonna laugh your ass off anyway. But but go ahead with your thoughts on Richard Pryor, the late he, great Richard Pryor. He was. Yeah, he was. I think he was also scary
3: to a lot of people. You know, he was, and that, and that, and again, that that's we we had a conversation about Kevin Hart, and I'm not going to belabor. Oh, we'll we'll you know, get to that in on.
0: just a second, but go ahead.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, we well, well, can get into it if you want, but but I'm but I'm not I'm not a fan, and there are and there are reasons that I'm not a fan, and and I I think he plays it safe, and and I and Richard didn't do that. You know, it was it was politics and blackness and, you know, whatever, wh- whatever the the social climate was he he talked about fearlessly, fearlessly. And I don't I, I just there aren't too many people after him. And, and honestly, I can't I can't think of anybody in total um, who was who just had great big balls like Richard
0: Pryor did. Absolutely. He didn't give a fuck. Like, just dead serious. He, he was going to be true to him. And that's that's what made you respect Richard Pryor. And, you know, he was probably, well, not the first, but he was one of the, the biggest comedians that went mainstream that had crossover appeal with whites and blacks. Like, right. white people loved Richard Pryor. Let's Let's just be honest. White people loved Richard Pryor. And it wasn't because he sold out. They just respected the realness.
3: Well, and it was, a, and it's a, you know, it was a glimpse into, if, I mean, to, to get a little, to go on a little psychology, it was a glimpse into a world that they didn't understand. It was a, or know, uh, or have a perspective on. And, and, and here's this guy laying it out in a way that is hilarious, but I'm sure there were a lot of pretty
0: deep conversations after, after people walked away from a Richard Pryor show. Exactly, exactly. And and then his work with Gene Wilder, like to to compare <laughs> that again, because I like I love music so much. But Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor doing work together would be like Jay-Z and Eminem doing a series of 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 records together like you had the, the probably the two biggest people as far as the white and black comedians working together. And it was just an amazing, amazing set of work. And I would like to think that it helped some people cross racial lines. Like it just did. Seeing those two doing comedy together just made you feel so good. Yeah. Just
3: phenomenal. Like just, you know, I mean, we see it on screen and everything and, you know, I, it's hard to judge, but just, I felt that they just had phenomenal chemistry. Like there was just, something there between these guys that was that was genuine and legit and you could again you could take it anywhere you know whatever type of um whatever type of humor you were going for you could just you could take those two anywhere yeah
0: absolutely anything left to say uh before i but okay let's go ahead anything left to say on richard Pryor? because i have something that i know the audience is going to want to know about that we're going to get into hopefully we don't ran on too much but anything left on richard Pryor?
3: nope He's he's one of the greatest period. One of the greatest period he's got. If 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 you take stand up comedians in total, he's he's got to be in your top two or three. All exactly. Time.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. But I know and you touched on it, but I know a lot of people are probably going to wonder and ask at least the younger listeners. No, Kevin Hart, no Kevin Hart on this <laughs> list at all. And for that, I can say. If you think Kevin, especially if you think Kevin Hart is even in the top 3, like if let top 5, okay, everybody's top 5. Is, hell, Bruce Bruce made my top 5. But if you think Kevin Hart is in the top 3, you need to also educate yourself and we're done having that conversation. Kevin Hart, go ahead, Coop, take it away. Okay, let's let's start positively.
3: Um Kevin Hart is a workhorse. You can't take it away from him. Um he got himself out there. He knows how to use social media. Um, the, the, guy, the guy just bust his ass. Now, as far as the work, he's not special. And, that, and that's, that's that's the key thing that I can say about him. I can, you know, for people whose work has declined over time, whatever the case may be, but I can pinpoint it at least in uh, an era of their work where it was like, okay, that that guy, Gets it, and that guy comes across. And he did any. I believe that anybody can do what he does on stage. I I do. I, I believe that anybody can yell and make a face and fall down. And like I said in the beginning, in an hour set, you get a chuckle or two out of me. But but to make me feel something and to connect with w- with me and to 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 draw me in. this is my world this is my life. Uh, a buddy of mine said because he's he's a huge fan, and he said something akin to, "Oh, he's he's got that." Um, I'm trying to think of his exact words. Oh, oh, he's got that feel my pain uh, humor. I was like, what? <laughs> what the pain of being short? The pain of being being a millionaire and having kids? what 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 pain what what relatable pain does kevin hart bring across that makes you laugh i didn't understand it a little bit and again uh, and i don't want to go too far with this but 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 i feel like there's a there's a level of acceptance of mediocrity with with you know okay he's everywhere and he's popular he must be funny is he like is he really if you if you just like get out of the, uh, the 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 stardom aspect of, you know, this guy's a big celebrity and whatnot. Is he, I mean, outside of movies and, you know, he's not always funny there either.
0: Is he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he Kevin Hart, he can be funny. He's had, like, he, I've enjoyed his stand-ups, but just when you're talking about top, like you said, there's nothing really special. In, in this day and age, just because there's not many, there's really not that many stand-up comedians doing it Regularly nowadays, like it's all about movies and TV and stuff like that nowadays. Right. At a so top that, tier level, at a top yeah, tier level, exactly. So in that sense, okay, I can understand why he would be somebody's favorite right now. But if you're talking about an all time list, I can easily probably and just black comedians. We're not even going into other races, but just black comedians. I can probably name off a good fifteen to twenty before I get to Kevin Hart. That's just <laughs> my personal opinion. Like we, for, yeah. for example, uh, Whoopi Goldberg did not make this list. She Red Fox did not make either one of our lists. Yeah. Bernie Mac yeah. didn't make my personal list. Like DL Hughley, Eddie Griffin, Cedric the Entertainer, these guys are all better than Kevin Hart. You said you said Paul Mooney,
3: you know, pa- who again pa- I think has entered that curmudgeonly stage. But
0: Paul he's Mooney's special, funny though. as shit. Exactly. Paul, Paul Mooney's is an all timer. He's written jokes for uh, several of the greats we named on this list, so he's he's above Kevin Hart. Also, in me, George Wallace, like. These are, oh, was, yeah. These are comedians. These are comedians that call. we didn't we didn't get on this list that are absolutely more special than Kevin Hart. And so, you know, I understand people liking him right now, but go reach out and for everyone, because I know everyone love, loves Pops from Friday, and he's on Boondocks. John Witherspoon. will look up his stand up and then play it next to a Kevin Hart stand up, and you can't tell me this guy isn't way more special than a Kevin Hart. Like I said, and these are people who didn't make our list. So, right. and special is the word. Yeah, yeah. David Allen Greer is another one, but you know, so that that that's our top five. Anything left that you want, or who who would be your um, your uh, person who who was just outside that top five, who kind of didn't make that list for you?
3: I mean, we mentioned Paul Mooney. We mentioned Red Fox. Um, Oh wow! I just said I just said his name. He was one of the kings of comedy, Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I
3: and and I I I think he's twice as funny as Steve Harvey. Um, Cedric Cedric's got more personality, to me, um, but but just like straight again, reach me funny. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. Wait, what, what king What king of comedy did I not mention
0: in that? Cedric, uh, Steve, Steve Harvey. Harvey. D- D.L. Hughley, which I, I mentioned in my little D.L. Hughley, yes.
3: D.L. Hughley is funnier now. I, I, he's I think he's been. mature. And it's, yeah. this,
0: we're going off the beaten track
3: here. But I think D.L. Hughley is funnier now, He and he continues to get funnier and more topical and, and more woke, which, which I definitely appreciate.
0: Absolutely. And like I said, Paul Mooney is my, like, he, 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 it's hard for me to rank him in the top 5 list just because you know his his stand up work isn't quite there at the, at the level of everyone else is at least at, not of the consistency but the guy's he he's he's special and he's funny and he's amazing and everyone should check him out even his curmudgeon thing because the guy's just that he's just that funny to me um yeah. but that's it we we brand down our top 5 coop thank you as always for joining me you know i appreciate every every bit of it tell the people where they can find you uh, you can find me at Gerald L. Cooper on Twitter. I do a little pro
3: wrestling show called Hour of Honor. Well, I kind of do it. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't been out in about a month, but we got a show coming up. Hopefully uh, hopefully by tomorrow I will uh, I have everything done for you. But, yeah, that's where I am. That's what I do. Glad to be be here, man. Always uh you need somebody to chit-chat with on on your and soul
0: you got me anytime. <laughs> All right. Well, people, we're gonna go ahead and get out of here. We're gonna let Coop go. We're gonna get back into the rest of the show. Coop, thank you again. Not a problem, brother.
1: Hey yo, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. When we're
0: the first time guest here one of my good friends over from the wwp and that is colin y song here to talk a little bit about the big fight that happened last night colin tell the people a little bit about yourself since this is your first time and uh and how me and you met
4: um so so, so i guess uh first time long time does that work with being three episodes in uh, i mean i guess i've been listening to you um talk other things like professional wrestling uh long before you started doing this show um but we've interacted before then um i actually have a character that i call into on a wrestling that i used to uh call into a wrestling show um wrestling redneck um i just got bored one day thought i would call in you you called into the show um, we had a chat room that we all were kind of involved in, and that's kind of how we all met we We called into this uh Carney show that that was uh basically on every day at twelve o'clock and and we all had fun in the chat room uh getting banned.
0: Yeah, yeah, the good old band day the band crew, I guess that's what we should call ourselves. but luckily, we've grown so much since then as far as just like entertainers and and what we do and while we don't podcast for a living podcasting is such a big part of our life and you know we have a lot of fun doing it though
4: it's a way to blow blow off steam i mean i like having fun and i didn't want to call into a show as just like a normal person and i listen to a lot of sports talks uh sports talk radio um i live in the south um so a lot of the character that i do is pulled from a lot of the sports talk radio that i listen to where people just People call in and just have some of the most asinine stuff that they talk about and just try to railroad, uh, these radio shows and stuff like that. So that's kind of, uh, the, what I took from, uh, when I, when I did this character with some of the things that he said. Now I try, I try to be legit and on point on some of the things I say, but I also throw the comedy stuff in there, you know, for, for levity, um, to the show.
0: Absolutely. And if you can live in both worlds and do the comedy while the analysis providing the, the detailed analysis at the same time, then why not do both? There's a lot of people, me namely, who, who really couldn't do what you do uh, on a normal basis. So anyone, definitely check Colin out. I'm sure he'll plug his social media at the end of this so you guys can reach out and interact with him. But we are here. We're here to talk a little Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. And we're not going to get as detailed because we do have a podcast to plug uh that that you're on that that does detail the fight a little bit more that we'll we'll get to at the end of this but you know i felt like it was such a big fight i know a lot of my listeners watched it even if they didn't necessarily have a affinity for watching box boxing or mma beforehand because it's just that much of a spectacle that's how people were drawn in at but what were your thoughts you know at the beginning at the middle and then coming at the end of that fight as far as both guys what, what they both did
4: well let's let's start at the beginning of the fight um when the ref was kind of reading, reading them there, the rules and everything, uh, he was looking dead at Connor. Um, so they, they kind of had this, basically everybody that was in there in boxing knew that Floyd was going to win this fight. Um, and, and you could tell the ref was kind of looking at Connor when he kind of went, went into business for himself and kind of over exaggerated the rules, um, telling the rules and was looking at Connor the whole entire time. Um, that was kind of the sign number one that Connor was probably, probably in a little bit of trouble. Um, but he came out in that first round, uh, surprised a lot of people. He definitely, uh, surprised and confused Floyd, considering the fact that Floyd also takes a few couple rounds to kind of, uh, test and see what his opponent is gonna do. So, you know, Floyd was definitely feeling Connor out and kind of baiting Connor in. But at the same time, Floyd had never seen a guy that had come in with a karate stance like this, um, had just uh, the hands down, the, the showboating, uh, most usually it's floyd doing that kind of stuff trying to get his his opponent to attack him and and connor was doing that stuff um towards the middle of the fight you could tell connor's connor's gas tank started to give out on him um and that's something that that happens he's used to the most that he's used to fighting is 25 minutes um a 12 round boxing match is going to be 36 minutes and he made it to 10 rounds uh that's 30 minutes right there that's almost five more minutes than he's ever fought in his whole entire career um so the gas tank issues could were were there as well. And and Floyd's technique, I mean Floyd just stayed with pure boxing technique. Um didn't get too flashy with it. Just waited, stayed stayed with his defense up, waited in on the inside and got in with the strikes that he needed to. Um and then towards the end of the fight there, I know a lot, a lot of people probably thought that the the stoppage was early. Um not for for a person that's uh, like me who watches a lot of MMA, um, usually you, you hear the ref calling out, Hey, protect yourself. Um, usually you see the ref give these guys a chance until there's like no, no point, like until the guy's knocked out or he's just so uh, drunk and out of it, like a uh, punch drunk from, from getting hit in the face so much that he, there's, you have to come in and stop the fight. Uh, Connor didn't necessarily look like that. Um, in that last barrage that he was taken from from Floyd. Now, had he not protected himself uh, a little bit further, he would have taken a knee to the canvas. And in most boxing matches, you're allowed to, to take a knee to the canvas at least three times, and then you have the, the chance to answer a standing eight count. Um, so that, that again, the ref uh, trying to protect the guys. I understand the whole protecting the, the fighter and everything, but, uh, again... Connor's used to being in a, a sport like MMA where you're going to get taken some of this punishment and kind of have a chance to, to fight out of it and fight out of the adversity that, that you have coming at, coming strong. I mean, he did it against Nate Diaz um, in that second fight. So that's, I mean, all in all, it was a great fight. I, I personally knew that, that Floyd was going to win. Um, kind of funny thing at the end of the day when the scorecards came out, pretty much two of the refs. Two of the judges had it for Connor, or had it for uh, Floyd, basically from the second round all the way until the finish. Um, So even if you had thought Connor was doing well at the beginning of the fight, there was no way that Connor was going to win that fight, even if it went to a decision.
0: Yeah, and you know, Connor looked great most of that fight. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. saying, you know, I think he won more than what the the scorecard ended up showing. I honestly think he got probably five of those rounds at least, but. But yeah, I mean, considering this is not his sport at all, he came into this his first boxing match. I think Conor has a lot to hang his head up about, but this match just showed why Floyd Mayweather is legitimately the best boxer maybe ever. And yeah, like, like Floyd Mayweather was able to figure somebody out, take his time, be patient because in some of those opening rounds... Conor rocked Floyd a couple of times. You could tell that Floyd wasn't expecting it. Like I don't think Floyd really probably expected to get touch as much as he did, especially early on. But Mayweather is just the best defensive boxer ever. And he was able to completely figure Conor out. He was able to get comfortable. He waited him out. And once and me mean, you started talking about we were basically chatting the whole fight towards the end of the fifth, the, especially the 6th you can tell Connor was getting tired and Floyd Mayweather started getting more and more aggressive and I mean he did his thing that that's what we all kind of expected though I expected Floyd Mayweather to win Connor looked way better than I than I was even in my wildest dreams thought he would look
4: and on your point about Floyd kind of figuring Connor out I don't know if you kind of noticed throughout the fight um when Connor would try to go to protect um so Floyd would throw the right kind of the right straight um and Floyd, uh, you know, Connor would block, but then Connor's next move would to kind of throw up his right elbow to kind of help block um, if Floyd was throwing that that uh, left hook, you know, kind of that left shot coming on the the uh, right side of Connor's body. Um, Floyd figured that out. Um, towards the end of the fight, you can see as Connor's trying to throw up that kind of chicken wing block with his elbow, Floyd's throwing a completely different strike and getting around it, or just kind of double pumping that that straight into um, Connor's face. So there was that aspect of Floyd being able to figure him out. Um, again, it kind of sucks that, that Connor was Floyd's 50th fight because again, coming up here in the next few weeks, we've got Canelo versus Triple G. And, and I know Floyd's already beaten Canelo. Um, but in the sense of, uh, fighting, um, wrestling, um, since that's one of the things that you do, it would look at, uh, Canelo kind of fighting Floyd at a younger time in his career. Um, he's had the chance to mature. He's had a few fights in between uh, when he fought Floyd last. Um, Canelo would probably give Floyd more of a run for his money this time around, um, even if uh, Triple G won. I mean, Triple G, there ain't no t- telling what, what Triple G could do against Floyd. Um, those are the fights that we would really, really want to see. Um, but Floyd's in it for the money. He, he's got the IRS tax issues
0: that he's got to take care of. Um, so, you know, I guess the big payday has to come first. Exactly. And, and you know, Floyd, after the fight, did say that this was his last fight. We'll see. We'll see if that holds true, because I I just I don't know. Floyd's a fighter. And even though he's done it all, it's just it would be hard for someone to challenge him or someone to come up the ranks and throw shots at him not to come out. I think he could be drawn out. But if he is to retire, if Floyd Mayweather does not box another match in his life, what does he rank for you on the all time list?
4: Oh, I mean, he's definitely one of the greatest defensive fighters of all time. Um, probably, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard. I mean, to rank him number one. Um, I, with boxing nowadays, the way it is, I mean, he's handpicked a lot of his opponents. Um, there's a lot of things going in to kind of Floyd's record. I mean, everything that he's done 50 and 0, I mean, that's a great accomplishment. There, you can't, can't take that back. I mean, he had to go in there and fight these fights and, and win these fights. Um, but there are a lot of shenanigans that went into the 50 and 0 record uh, that you could look at with Floyd Mayweather. And I mean, I'm sure you could probably say the same thing about Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson and stuff like that, but I'll always throw back to like Muhammad Ali is probably one of the greatest, the greatest. If you put Muhammad Ali in the ring with these guys nowadays, he would just probably run the heavyweight division.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that too. Um But I mean, this is a great career. I, for one, I hope this isn't the, the end of it. I want to see more from Floyd Mayweather. I've, I've always had an interest in boxing, but my interest in boxing is probably tripled in like the last three to five years. So I I just I enjoy seeing Floyd Mayweather work. But there's a lot of other people who now aren't at least right now. They don't look to be anywhere close to Mayweather's level. But boxing is getting interesting again. And a lot of people you hear talk about. It's just Floyd. It's just Floyd. I don't believe that there's there's so much in in boxing, so much in MMA, in combat sports in general. I'm sure I'll have you back on to talk more about that before we go ahead and get ready to close anything, anything left sticking that you want that you want to say. If not, go ahead and tell the people where they can find you.
4: Well, like I said before, um, like you said, two two people that could possibly challenge Floyd in his name. I mean, you've got Triple G and Canelo uh coming up. Uh, a lot of the boxing community was saying that's the real the real boxing fight um that's coming up you know the floyd thing's just kind of a an entertainment fight um so keep an eye on that i mean that whoever went i mean if triple g's been triple g has been crushing opponents um and he's something really special to watch and if he comes out and crushes canelo like he has everybody else the boxing community and everybody's going to be clamoring for floyd to come out and fight this guy um you're it, it's gonna be one of those things that happens um i don't know if you've watched triple g fight uh definitely go back and try to find some of these i mean the guy just he's he's late in his career like age wise but he's fresh in his career as he's just started at a, at a late age um and he's just coming in and crushing dudes like it, it's it's amazing to watch um that's pretty much all i've got i mean you know F- floyd's floyd's going down as one of the greatest of all time a lot of people never thought that rocky marciano's record was going to get get broken um and that it's just an amazing thing that we got to, to witness it in, in our lifetimes. And some of the amazing things that we've gotten to see in sports and period in our lifetimes, Hayes, we've, we've been really lucky to, to see. Yeah, we have. you You can follow me on, on Twitter, um, at redneck. It's R-A-S-S-L-I-N-R-E-D-N-E-C-K. Um, mostly the tweets are going to be wrestling-related. Um but you can find the links and stuff to Cagetown. Um, if you want to follow my personal account, I don't really use that all that much, but it's at Colin Wysong, C-O-L-I-N-W-Y-S-O-N-G. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I have to say. Hayes, thank you for having me on the show. Um, appreciate everything that you do for the network, giving uh, the, us an outlet for things. Um, you know, you, you definitely, you're there for us. You help us out. You guide us, but you, you definitely want us to do the work so that you see us, uh, succeed in everything. And, and I have to thank you for, for allowing us to have this platform.
0: Uh, yeah, no problem. Thank you guys, everyone. And I know they're all listening. Thank you all for following my vision and helping it grow. I mean, my vision was very limited. As far as what we end up turning into, and that wasn't possible without you guys. And I mean, you said that I, I give you guys all the platform, but my thing is, is that as a leader, and I've, I've been in management most of my working career too, is that I believe everyone has the, they work the best when you give them the opportunity to be them. And that's what the WWPN is. It's, everyone has the space to be themselves and we all kind of mesh very well together. So it's just turned into this beautiful thing. Um, but. You know, you also you mentioned Cagetown. Let's go ahead and, and say I want to plug that in a big way. Everyone who's listening to this who enjoyed, you know, just this little snippet of us talking about the fight, go on iTunes, search for a podcast. It's called Cagetown, All Combat Sports. It's uh, episode four, I believe now, so it's still in the, in its infancy. It's you, Adam, JB, and whoever else decides to pop in here and there. Big Ray was on the on the most recent one. You guys do a great job. And uh, I mean, if there's nothing else, Redneck, I just want to thank you for joining the Awakened Soul. Let's go ahead and go.
4: Yeah, thank you. Uh, appreciate it.
0: All right. That was Colin, my good friend. Um, Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. You know, this is the end of the episode for today. I know. I know we didn't get into a cipher. We didn't get um, any questions answered today. But, you know, I definitely wanted to talk about the fight because I know that's what's on the tip of everybody's tongue today is talking about that fight and what it meant. So I wanted to get that in, and that's part of the Awakened Souls to stay relevant to what's going on. Unfortunately, guys, we will get to those questions. I know you keep submitting them, and you keep hearing we will. Maybe we'll even have a whole episode just answering questions. Um, as far as the cipher, I got I got a special guest lined up for the cipher next week. I'm not even gonna te- I'm not even gonna say his name because I don't want you guys going to look. Into who he is, I don't even want you to hear him first anywhere else. If you're a listener to the Awakened Soul, and I know I, I got a lot of people that have turned on the podcast that don't usually listen to podcasts, but when you hear this guy next week on the Cipher, it 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 may just blow your mind because he's just that good. um But this is the the end. This is it for the Awakened Soul episode four. I want to thank each and every one of you guys follow me along this this ride. If you've, I'm, I'm still in one of Andrew Bellows. Uh, the way he ends his podcast hopefully he doesn't kill me for it but if you made it this far you are a brave brave soul good night and i love each and every one of you baby let's cruise
1: away from here
2: cage going, you know, hand to hand with I don't know, Cap or something like that. You know, we're getting really dangerously close to these guys being pretty powerful. Jessica Jones is fucking holding up elevators from crazy distances. I don't know. Like uh, maybe they're leaving the enemies purposely weak because otherwise it would just be like, "Well, why didn't Spider-Man just come in and kill everybody?"
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is something to be said about about that. They are supposed to be the street-level heroes, but you know i mean i kind of look at it like the street level stuff is perfect for like when they're in their own seasons but like when you come up when they come together i think they should be fighting something big that maybe is almost avengers uh, an avengers level threat but the avengers just didn't know about it they just happened to be able to keep it from the avengers and it's just the street level heroes that were able to figure them out and maybe that that's kind of how my hope for it was but you know you uh, you make a good point there
2: maybe it maybe it coincides with like the events of infinity war and and so like the avengers are busy right now they got things going on and then you know now we got the defenders have to deal with somebody on a lower level that would normally just be handled quickly by you know iron man or whatever i don't know maybe maybe yeah. that's something they can do
0: yeah and after affinity war um i mean if at least affinity war 2 if everything kind of works out the way it does now you know, this Defender season two would probably be dropping around the time uh, Avengers Affinity War, either one or two uh, come out. And it would be a great storyline if they use like the street level people are trying to step up because we don't know where the fuck the Avengers are. Maybe it'll be something yeah. like that.
2: I don't think I thought they weren't doing two anymore. I thought this was just it, this first time around.
0: Well, they're they're doing two. They they're film they're filming the second one now. They just started doing it, but it's not Infinity War Part One and Part Two. They they say they're two they're two different stories. It's not necessarily picking up right where the other one left off. But okay, yeah. But there's been speculation that like it ends with all of them dying or getting sent off somewhere. That that's the speculation. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, apparently oh, like they're they'll film it, they're filming the second well it'll be avengers 4 whatever they end up calling it they're filming it now and apparently like like stark is in something that keeps him alive because thanos basically kills him but somehow they keep him alive with like alien technology so that's sh- that i can't wait to oh, see man Infinity War. it's a fucking yeah.
2: tahiti project bro
0: <laughs> oh that would be such a good way to bring everything back around That'd be awesome.
2: I want fucking I just uh I want Fury and fucking uh what's his face? Colson back in the fold so bad.
0: Exactly. Like the the fact that they've ignored do you watch Asian the Shield the Shield too? Yeah, that last season was bonkers. Like that shit was cool. Y'all, yeah, they've they've gotten moving to a later time has saved that show so much and, and fucking Ghost Rider was amazing on that show. I there's there's been talk of him getting his own Netflix show. I hope so because Ooh, I cool. love me some Ghost Rider. Even though he's not the comic Ghost Rider, they got him perfectly.
2: Yeah, I also liked. Um, somebody pointed out online, like the little portals that he opens up. It looks like exactly like one of the ones that Strange opens up in the movies. Like it's like it's it's so perfectly consistent throughout, even the universes that don't even touch one another. It's just I don't know. Marvel's the best. <laughs> yeah, Mar-
0: Marvel's amazing. I just need DC to bring to get it together, man.
2: God. Yeah, I'm thinking about starting to watch all those shows too now. What is it? Arrow and Flash and Supergirl, I guess. I don't know. Whatever these things are. But yeah, I wanna
0: <laughs> First two seasons of Arrow, amazing. Season three sucked ass. Half of season four sucked. And they got it back at about halfway through and season five was amazing. So Okay. Yeah, all right. maybe Fla- yeah, it's worth a good Flash is really good too. The only thing with Flash is is that they have a noticeable Low from like episode like 12 to like 16 every season it just drags the fuck on so oh okay knowing that going in especially since you'll, you'll be binging it it probably won't feel that bad but like when you're watching it as it's coming on tv week to week to week and there's been no build it's terrible like if you binge it it probably wouldn't come off that bad
2: oh all right and that's not the same guy that's doing flash for justice league
0: no, they have two. They have two completely different universes. It's the TV universe, and it's the the movie universe. But with that said, there's been some talk now that they're going to work it in into Flashpoint, which is the Flash's movie. That this is part of the same. It's a parallel universe to that, and he's gonna like hop over here or some shit like that. So, oh, that's
2: cool. Him. That makes yeah. sense. Actually, I, that much I kind of know about. So, oh, all right, that'll be fun. I'm going yeah. to have to yeah, definitely get on the train. Logan watches The Flash, so i got to get on. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cool. Anything else? No. No, that's pretty
2: much it. So oh, I yeah. Just, how does Batman beat the Defenders?
0: How does Batman beat the Defenders? <laughs> <sighs> Let's see. Saying
2: Nolan versus Batman. How does he beat the Defenders?
0: <laughs> well, he beat the shit out of Daredevil. Daredevil was amazing, but he's not ready for, for Batman. I think he, he saved Really? Their... You think? Yeah, he saves Daredevil for last because that would just be a one-on-one drag-out fight. Um, he figures out... Uh, I mean, they had the fucking Judas bullet in, in Luke Cage, so he makes a Judas Batarang that takes out Luke Cage. Um, Daredevil... Daredevil, he works out a way to send Daredevil... I mean, not Daredevil, I'm sorry. Iron Fist back to Kunlun. because he, he'll just will. Throw him on a plane or something. You know what? No, fuck that. He, he, he played mind games with Danny Rand, Wayne Enterprises would buy Rand Enterprises.
2: Oh, yes.
1: Oh,
0: love it. <laughs> and then while wow. they're having, having a fucking board meeting, he just slipped to him, Hey, I know you're the Iron Fist. Like, it, it would just be some shit that he do. Completely throw Danny off his game. The, the only problem with it is Jessica. How would he take out Jessica Jones? I mean, he's, he's taking out Superman, so I'm sure he'll find a way. Like, I don't know, man. She, she's out. She's maybe he goes James control.
2: Bond on Jessica Jones, like he he you know goes to some he picks her up one night coming out of a bar, <laughs> he takes her home, oh, and yeah. that's how he kills Jessica Jones.
0: <laughs> Either that, or he like uses scarecrow's mind gas on her and have her seen purple purple the purple man kill Grave uh-huh. all over the place, and that'll keep her busy. There you go.
2: Yeah, boom. All right, you did it. <laughs> I thought that was going to be pretty one sided. Wow.
0: <laughs> it's Batman. He has a, a plan, a contingency plan for the contingency plan that was originally Plan B. That That's how Batman rolls. He'll have the freaking. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, man.
2: Um,.